This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. It's been another massive week on the ATP Tour. We've been in Milan on ATP Tennis Radio to see the next generation coming through. And boy, what a week we've had. And one of the most popular winners in the tournament's history. Second serve. Backhand from Dimitri oh, Bellissimo for Yannick Sinner. The most remarkable story of 2019. Capped off in the best way possible. He defeats the top seeds and finalists from last year. 4-2, 4-1, 4-2. And the crowd couldn't be happier. Yannick Sinner, the next-gen ATP champion for 2019. Hello and welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. I'm Peter Mercado alongside Miles McLaggen as we wrap up the next-gen ATP Finals from the Allianz Cloud in Milan. And we also preview the Nito ATP Finals and you'll hear all the action live on ATP Tennis Radio throughout the week. We'll also be catching up with some of the leading coaches from the next-gen ATP Finals, our man Barry Cowan, catching up with Ricardo Piatti, the coach of the champion, Yannick Sinner. We also hear from the players, Mirmir Ketsmanovic and Mikhail Ima, about their experiences of playing in Milan. But plenty to talk about in the podcast. Uh, Miles, welcome. We cannot go past talking about Yannick Sinner. He came in as the wild card. 12 months ago, he was sitting in the stands to get some tips. In January, he's playing on the Futures Tour. By the end of the season... He has not only won the next-gen tournament, he's finished inside the world's top 100. He has had the most amazing year I think anyone could have from that position. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, what a spectacular! You're absolutely right. What a spectacular year that that rise. The ascent has been so steep, and what a way to cap it off. Uh, he'll certainly enjoy his off season. You'd imagine it would just give him so much motivation to to put in a great off season and come out next uh, next year full of confidence. He's a player that uh, that the the rest are going to be wary of because he showed us uh, this week he's got a big big game. He has, and that's been the thing, that he's obviously been honing his game, working with Riccardo Piatti uh, over the course of this year and obviously beyond too. And I guess it's been those those players that start right at the very bottom. Some of them take a long time to get to that stage. I mean, we look at a player like Casper uh, Root, who was also in the field, who has been battling away week after week on the Challenger Tour and then finally has the breakthrough in 2019. Sinner. It's been lightning fast from not even playing a challenger match at the start of the year to working through there to playing on the ATP tour to now winning the biggest title of his career thus far. Yeah, it's interesting how, how things have turned around because you go back a little bit, the, the likes of Agassi or even, you know, don't have to go back that far for Murray, Nadal, Djokovic. They broke through young. They broke through as teenagers. They, 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 they left their mark. And then there was a period for a while. I think there was no teenagers in the top 200 for, for a period. But now we're starting to see it again. And, you know, this, uh, this next-gen group, even going back a couple of years, we, we had the, you know, Hyung Chung who went on to do 
very well. And, and Rublev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, all at a young age breaking through. But this is a, a little special, 18 years old. But, you know, you go back uh, again to the likes of Chang and Becker. We, we know that they went on to do pretty well on court. So uh, we can imagine, you know, Sinner perhaps on track for, for similar stuff. The final, it was such a, a short performance, 4-2, 4-1, over Dimonor, who went through the tournament undefeated right up until the final, and he just didn't get a look in. I mean, he did have some opportunities. He had eight chances to break the sinner serve, but it wasn't that he was hitting unforced errors all over the place and squandering those. It was just that Sinner lifted his level and invariably he'd come up with a massive first serve and get himself out of trouble. He, he took command and, you know, my, my pick at the start of the week was, was Dimonor. My pick before today's final was Dimonor. I thought that, um, you know, having having seen uh, uh, Sinner, he... he un- we knew he had a big game, but he did miss occasionally, and I thought Dimonor would be able to take advantage of those moments, but nothing of the sort, as you said. Big serves, big forehands, just the two aces in the final, but lots of serves. I mean, he rolled through his last yes. two service games to love. We were wondering, would the nerves come? Would he, you know, would he g- give uh, Dimonor a look in at a couple of points? And the, they did start to get longer for a little bit during that second set. He started to get his teeth into the Aussie, but then, you know, the doors slammed shut in his face again. A packed house at the Allianz Cloud and obviously with the Italian success uh, brought the crowds along too, but they've been fantastic all week. Uh, a different venue. There was a slightly different feel. It had more of a sort of O2 feel, just a miniature sort of version of it, but it worked really well, yep. I think. It, it kind of fits for this style of tournament. Yeah, it, it's it's a different atmosphere, and I think that's you know people want to experience um, you know different environments and, and and the excitement. It's fast pace, and you're absolutely right. A, a scaled down version, and what's also smaller is is the space around the court. People watching are are, are, are close up to, and I think you know sometimes tennis you do need to see it if you can get that front row, that seat, and just see how hard they're hitting, how quickly they're, they're moving, you, you get a good experience. But it was, you know, the, the, the fans have been into it, and why wouldn't they when they had Yannick Sinner to support? But the energy was high. It was fast-paced. We saw a lot of good tennis. I think, uh, well, up until today, you know, Francis Tiafoe, who made the uh, who made the semi-final, I mean, a lot of the highlights would have been yes, about him, the yes. shot-making, wouldn't they? But I think it's just, uh, you know, it's sort of... After today's match, it's become the, the Yannick Sinner show. It certainly has. Uh, uh, one of the stories of, of 2019, it's uh, a good tournament to try out the different rules. It's now the yep. third year that we've had most of them there. The only thing that was changed, I think, majorly was the, the Let's came back yep. into play. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't mind it. As a format standing alone, it's not something necessarily that, that might become widespread. It's a wholesale, like you have all these different changes. But, you know, maybe down the track, it, it's good to sort of get a, a representative sample at an event like this yep. to, to see how it works and just see how it plays out. And the chance for these players, the young players, who are going to be the future of the tour to, to try them out because when the changes maybe do come through, if they do, it's going to affect them more than the others right at the top of the game at the moment. Yeah, it's it's been. I mean, it's been a big success every year, and and I think you have to, you have to look at different things. And you know, if we talk about cricket. It was. I think when when one day first came out, it was sort of you know it was frowned upon, and then yes. the twenty twenty was, and, and those have become success. And there's no reason why they couldn't coexist alongside each other. A different, slightly different formats. They bring in different. Um, you know, it, we are competing as a sport. We're competing against other sports. We're com- competing against other entertainment and you know the grand slams are, are great and as are the masters 1000s but you don't always have that time to 
to sit down all day. And, and you know, people want some fast-paced action. They want, a, they want a night out with a bit of excitement and you know, something to eat, something to drink, and, and that's what this is providing. Yeah, it certainly is. But it's been a great five days of next-gen ATP action. Yannick Sinner, the champion, the finalist again, Alex Dimonor for 2019. We'll talk about Yannick Sinner being one of the big stories. One of the other big stories has been our man, Barry Cowan, because he has just <laughs> never have I seen a man quite take to a tournament that has really not a lot to do with him than our man, Barry. But he has been sensational. If we could vote on the player of the event, it would be him. He's got some great interviews throughout the week. He's caught up with a couple of the players. You're going to hear a little bit later on in this ATP Tennis Radio podcast in Mimi Ketsmanovic and Mikhail Ema. But first off, well, we're talking all about Yannick Sinner and Baz had the chance to catch up with his coach, Riccardo Piatti. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. So joining me now on ATP Tennis Radio, Riccardo Piatti, one of the best coaches in the business. Riccardo, what impresses us so much with Yannick Sinner is his composure. Is that something he's always had? So is, um, the, um, the story is uh, quite interesting about uh, Yannick because uh, uh, before to come in Bordighera, where uh, I'm living in Monte Carlo, but it's a 20 kilometer, I have a center in Bordighera, and uh, he was 13 years old and he was playing two, three times in a week. And after that, he started to play every day. And uh, what happened? Um, and uh, never, I was not, uh, not in focus with uh, young kids about result, uh, but to uh, build the game. And uh, okay, I saw him that he was very fast uh, in the court, uh, watching the ball very well, hit the ball, uh, uh, and moving and uh, try to win the point. So all the characteristics that I like to, the ten- to becoming a very good tennis player. And so, and uh, and for two, three years, he, he was playing tournament, but he was not winning. And that, uh, but he doesn't care about that. Uh, he didn't play so much junior, and uh, we play, he played uh, um, future. Sometimes uh, he went in some future with the, part, the other part of the team, the older, and uh, was not in a draw, and he stayed there for practice. So any time that I have a possibility, I put him uh, in a court with a good one. Uh, when I was with Raonic, uh, he was uh, 14 uh, years old, 15 years old. He practiced sometimes with Milos, he practiced with Djokovic, with Roger, with uh, all this guy. But the um, mentality that he has uh, is very uh, smart guy, is very interesting, uh, is, um, and is uh, working a lot. He know that uh, uh, if he's working a lot, he can do everything. It's interesting you said that he played a lot of junior tournaments at 13, 14, but he didn't really care about results, which is very unusual for juniors. Uh, yes, 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 I think so. Why do you think he had that mentality? Because most of the time with juniors, it, they have to win. If they don't win, then, then it's absolute car crash. Yeah, for me, is uh, you know, I have a quite... I'm 60 years old, so I have a little bit experience about this kind of job. And uh, I think for me, uh, it's very important when our ATP Pro uh, are important the result because you're going to turn on to win the tournament. But the rest is just to build the player. And uh, when he came there, uh, he explained that. Uh, I listen. I have here also some sparring uh, that are uh, 15 years old, uh, and for me they uh, they already win uh, too much. 
because uh, uh, if you win when you are young, uh, you are more concentrated about the result uh, instead of to build a game. And I prefer in this age uh, to build the game because they have no rush, they, they, because they have uh, free, the mind is free, you know, you can eat the ball, you're not just put the ball in the court. That is my mentality, my approach. And the approach that I have is a lot uh, during that time uh, improving the technical part. Uh, Yannick uh, was working a lot about this part, about technical and uh, about mentality. When you talk about technical, what do you mean? Technical is the first important thing for uh, to play well tennis, good tennis, because um, if you hit the ball well, you can control the, the game. So and uh, so that's why I'm very focused about that. Technically, it means uh, using the racket in an easy way, and uh, this is that. If you using the racket in an easy way, it's easy to hit the ball and put the ball where you want, and uh, that is my principal goal for uh, this kind of player. Also. With the pro, I work in a lot about that kind of, uh, with that mentality. If we fast forward five years, maybe seven years, what type of player do you think Yannick Sinner will be? Uh, I think uh, what you see is uh, a player that he controls the game and to, to go to win. The mentality that I push him is, uh, I don't care in this uh, age, uh, uh, we, uh, winning or lose, but I want that is going to win the match, not waiting something happen. Very good. Uh, I have uh, uh, three, four weeks ago, a month ago, uh, I have opportunity. I am working with Maria Sharapova, and I have opportunity to go out with Maria Sharapova and Marat Safin in one restaurant in Italy. I invited them, and uh, Yannick, of course, he came with me. And um, I asked to them, what you in this age when we was 18, what you waiting something or you go to win? And of course, the two guys that are number was number one say uh, we we play for win, not for waiting. And that is a goal that I have with him, uh, working his game to win. And during the match, he need to go to win, losing matches but imposing the game. Two more questions. The, the off season. What's where will you be? What you what will you be working on? Uh, we go. Uh, okay, he's coming back in Monte Carlo. We stay busy in Monte Carlo or Bordighera, and uh, I think he has 41 days. We already uh, organized. Uh, okay, first part uh, was uh, uh, sure more fitness part, but uh, I want that to continue to play. Maybe he's going two times uh, fitness and one time uh, tennis, and uh, there we have a lot of opportunity to play with uh, the good one because I know there are many of them living there, Goffin, David, many of them, uh, and so no problem about that. And then uh, we decided not yet uh, where to go, to Australia. I hope uh, that maybe Doha give a wildcard to go walk in, uh, in Doha, we're waiting something, and that's it. And uh, the rest uh, is uh, indoor, is going to play Montpellier, Rotterdam, Marseille. Uh, the big one, and then uh, we see Indian Wells, Miami Shore, and I don't know the rest. Australia, obviously. Australia, yes, yes, yes. Australia is the focus. And the goal for next year? To play more than 16 matches. How many, sorry? 60. 
Yeah, because this year uh, the goal that we have uh, was uh, 70, and uh, because I was number 50. Because and a uh, 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 question for you is uh, a lot or not? No, I'm just. I think it's brilliant that you say the matches, because yes. normally you ask a coach and they say top hundred or wants the masters yeah, masters semi final. So it's very clever. But are a lot or not? Uh, I think it's about right. It's all right for me. Uh, uh, because uh, last year I say, listen, uh, Yannick, 70 are a lot or not? I was thinking, hmm, maybe. And I say, listen, seven in a month are a lot or not for uh, a young boy, 18 years old. And again, if I say to you, six in a month are a lot or not? For me, for kids like him, six, six match in a month are nothing. You need to be ready for if you want to become a pro. This is a goal that uh, I, one goal that I say you need to play 60 matches. Ricardo, thanks very much for talking to us on ATP Tennis Radio. Ricardo Piatti, I believe he will play more than 60 matches next year, which will mean he will continue his incredible uh, form that he showed in 2019. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, and we we'll see you next year. Ciao. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. I'm here with Miomir Ketsmanovic. Miomir, it's been an amazing year for you. What's been the highlight from your first year on tour? Um, I guess definitely the highlight would be, uh, you know, Indian Wells quarters and um, also finals of uh, 250. I think those were, you know, the biggest moments. You know, also Cincinnati, you know, getting my first top 10 win. I think I had a lot of, you know, good uh, wins, you know, good results, and, you know, hopefully I can keep it up. It's been quite a journey for you, coming from Serbia, leaving your country, going over to, to Boletaris at a young age, and I, I noticed that you went over originally with your aunt, so it's all character building for you. Uh, yeah, it was definitely, you know, tough back at the, at the time, you know, leaving everything behind, uh, you know, going somewhere unknown, uh, you know, you know, I had to make new friends, uh, you know, start from the beginning, basically. And, you know, definitely the first year, I would say it was an adjust adjustment period, you know, getting used to everything, you know, getting to know everybody. But after that, you know, I really started to enjoy it there. Was it always something you wanted to do? Be, be, a, be a tennis player, be a top tennis player? Um, yes. Yeah, I think from the maybe not so much early in the beginning because I didn't really know that that was where you could go. But, you know, when I started, you know, seeing, watching uh, and, you know, even having good results, I started to believe and wanting to be there, too. So when you were growing up, was was Novak your idol? Um, yes. Yeah, he is my idol, you know, especially coming from Serbia. You know, he's um, like he was responsible for so many kids starting tennis. So he was a big, big role model for everybody. He still is, of course. And, you know, it, it's nice to have someone that's been through so much uh, to help you, you know, give you advice and, you know, to hear from him what he went through. It was very funny earlier on this year and you, you did the Q&A with, with Novak and, and Roger. Has he been able to lend you one of his trophies? Uh, no, no, he's he's tied with, with his trophies, uh, but um, hopefully I can win some, you know, so I won't don't have to ask. But yeah, that was that was really fun, you know. It was weird talking to him in English, but it was definitely it was definitely fun to do that. 
What is it like having someone who you can, who inspires you coming from your home country? I guess it's, if he can do it, I can. Um, yeah, you know, it, uh, it gives you motivation. I think for everybody, from all, for all of us that are playing, you know, from Serbia, you know, I think uh, he's pushing us, he's motivating us, you know, to be better, do better, and, you know, ultimately, you know, try to maybe catch up to him. And before it was tennis, tennis, tennis. Any other sports, any other interests for you? I used to do, um, like, um, martial arts mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't know. Taekwondo? Is that an English Taekwondo. word? It is? Okay, yeah, I did that. Black belt? Nope, not even close. I think I was blue or something. But I, I stopped pretty quick. Uh, obviously, I couldn't keep up with both. And, you know, thankfully, I picked tennis. Any football? No, only only in school, but I've never, yeah, it actually never crossed my mind to try that. Being based in America, which you being which you have done, do you feel yourself now being more following American sports, or do you still feel that when you come back to Europe that? Um, I think I yeah, I've been following a lot more football, American football yeah. and basketball, but. Um, yeah, but when I come back to Europe, it's soccer, so it's it's divided. You know, soccer is big in Europe, and you know, in the States, it's all about football. So I've started to learn about it, you know, grasp all the rules because there's a ton. But I, I actually like watching both. In terms of your the next stage of your career, what's really important for you? Um, I think just working hard, you know, not letting up. Um, just improving, you know, don't not getting satisfied, you know, with where I am, and I think just you know pushing every day to be my best. Well, you asked Roger another one of those questions. What's his, his favorite kid? <laughs> what would be the one question that you wouldn't ask someone to ask you? I guess who do you like more, your mom or your dad? <laughs> I, I don't know. That would be. I wouldn't know what to say to that. So. Well, enjoy Milan. Um, th- yes. Yes, I've been here once for the grade A in juniors, and yeah, it's a nice city. I like it. You know, it's fun to be here, and yeah, it's a classic, you know, European city, and it has so much culture and everything, and it's really nice to be here. Do you remember who you played in the juniors? Uh, I know I had a bye first round. I won my second round, and then I retired, so I didn't really, I didn't go too far. You remember your good stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I try to forget everything bad. This is the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Well, joining me on ATP Tennis Radio in the press conference room, Michael Ema. Michael, it's been a spectacular year for you and played a lot of matches, but you still look really, really fresh. Oh, well, I'm, I'm happy you say that and thank you because I actually feel a little bit slow out there on the court. I don't feel like I'm moving like I have. And for example in the challengers but you know I do my best and of course it, it's easier in an event like this which is amazing to be to play here so uh, and there I really felt the energy from the from the crowd which made it even better and you know I'm really I'm really pushing now it's it's tough it's end of the season but you know this this is what we the preseason is for and I feel I feel inspired and uh, I'm really really pushing it now We'll, we'll look forward before we look back a little bit. And what's your plan for the off season and then moving forward to 2020? 
No, like like always, I will uh, like I have the past years. I will go to IMG uh, in Bradenton. It is a very good you know facility. There is no place for me that is better uh, to train, and uh, especially with other great athletes, tennis players too. So we gonna I'm gonna fly there with my team to prepare for 2020. And uh, but yeah, first I'm gonna enjoy. This is my last tournament of the year, so I'm gonna go home. Now I'm still thinking about vacation plans. I. I Usually I have it set up, you know, by September latest. But this year it's it's been Los Angeles, it's been South Africa. I would love to have to go home to Ethiopia. I don't know. I'm not sure about the situation. 100%. There has been some demonstration because that was. When did you last go back to Ethiopia? It's been too long, way too long. I cannot even. I think it's 10, 10, 12 years. I was supposed to go last year, but I wanted to get to preseason early because I felt there was so much work to do. And then I've been planning to go four or five days now. Uh, straight from here but as I don't know if um, there has been some demonstration so outside the capital it hasn't been my this is from my mom it hasn't been hundred uh, percent so even if it's safe in Addis you know my I'm, I'm, I'm the guy you know I'm very you know how you call cautious yeah uh, I'm also you know I'm even afraid of flying and uh, in, in airplanes so I don't unfortunately I don't think at the moment uh, I will go but we see you got a, a great story with your father being a professional runner. What type of runner was he? He was marathon and 10k. What what sort of times? Uh, no, my dad. My dad was he was very 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 fast. He ran 10k in 30 30 minutes. I mean that's that's boring on Olympic qualifying, isn't it? Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but all I know is he <laughs> he was very fast and he loves to run. He will he will not go a day at home now without run. He has this. I think I asked my dad, I remember back in the day I asked like, because I heard about Kenisa Bekele's uh, running schedule and it's like it's 10k in the morning or like and then like 20k in the afternoon and I'm like dad you have to be like sick or something to be able to do this. I'm like how come, why, because my dad is the type of guy, my t- type of person, he would wake up and he would be in a bad mood, like in a bad mood and I'm like damn man, but after he goes and run new person like every, it's the same and it was the same when we was young when we were younger like soon as we did the running my dad new person so yeah he says it's a it's a disease uh, a lot of the runners have uh, that well, they need to run they, they cannot enjoy the day until they finish their running so he'll wake up first thing in the morning at 10k boom minimum so yeah and, and does he wake up in the morning and say Michael and Elias come on we're going for 10k yeah, and this is what we did. Uh, not always 10k when we were younger, but we were obviously running a lot. And then I had, you know, some uh, injury. Uh, both I had a stress fracture in my foot, I think two, and then I had my hip uh, stress fracture. So at the point, uh, and then I brought in my fitness coach since a, a few years back, and we realized like, okay, I cannot run two, three times a week anymore. It doesn't work. But but he will still ask. Good, cool. You said he will always ask, and he will be a little bit like in a short bad mood that that I say no every time. But I think he understands now that I'm spending so much time already, so it's it's tough. Well, you move brilliantly around the court, and tennis is such a physical sport. And when you play for two hours or three hours, and you're feeling tired, do you then look at your father and think, if he can run a marathon for two hours, then I must keep going? Yeah, a little bit, and then also I know because uh, you know he set the foundation so well for us, you know. So I, I know that that I can I can run. Uh, that's that's the least of my problem. Unless I'm the only one running on the court, uh, I know that there there isn't too many. I think that will take me out on stamina. But uh, 
And this is, this is of course, this is, I have my dad to thank for. He has, my stamina is very, very much, more or less everything from my dad. And how much does it help as well that you, you've got your brother on tour as well and he, what he's going through is exactly what you're going through? No, it helps a lot. Uh, and, the, you know, he, he, was the, he was the one I could always call and can always call when I had the questions. And I was, because he, he came up very fast too. Uh, so I asked him a lot, you know, how, how is it up there? How, what do the other players do well? And he would ma watch ma my matches, you know, when I played Challenger Qualies. Uh, and I would always ask, you know, like, what, what's wrong with, why can I, what am I doing? Like, I'm losing first round qualities everywhere. What, and he would always tell, he would always take the time to tell me. So, you know, really help, helped uh, t throughout the way. And we still rally a lot, not as much as we did when we were younger, but we, st we still take the time to talk. And we always, that's, I think, our best conversation is actually when we talk about uh, tennis. And, uh, yeah, because I think we both can relate very well to it. And I see your passion outside tennis is football. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic is your idol, is that correct? Yeah, uh, yeah Zlatan is always, you know, the, his, his background and the way he came up, the things that he had to face, it's for me very, very uh, inspirational. And uh, uh, so, of course, he's, since I was a kid, someone we looked up to, we were watching, and uh, football has always been my passion. Not to watch too much, but to play. Unfortunately, the injury risk is a little bit too high, but otherwise, if I could, I would change all my uh, stamina workouts to only uh, only football, because there, there's not much I enjoy as much as football. What position would Michael Ema be? I always play left wing, but I might have to uh, change now to we're thinking about it. We had a soccer game the other week, actually ended up injured, uh, hurting my left foot. But I'm thinking about going to uh, forward now. So it is even a little bit less compact that I can just, you know, the, the one to put in the goal and don't have to go too much into attacks. You seem really humble and down to earth. Does that come from your parents and, and your background? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit or maybe a lot, but also it's a lot of me thinking, thinking about it. This is I think I've said it before in an interview, it's one of the most important things for me. And, you know, the day I stop being humble is, I, I always even tell the people around me to always make sure. I will joke sometimes, you know, with my, within my team, because that's the only time, you know, I, I push it a little bit and I will maybe say some co uh, cocky comments. But besides that, it's, it's very, very important for me to always be humble. But also, of course, also to keep my integrity and, uh, you know, not, being, uh, not be pushed or used. But uh, in the end, to be humble and treat everyone the same is, I would say, one of my big, uh, most important values that I have. And for 2020, what do you want to get out of the next 12 months? To keep improving as a tennis player, as a human being, and also to, to make sure that what I'm also grateful for this year is that I managed to keep my, uh, my head in a good place. This is without my head in a good place, uh, I'm not a good tennis player. So. Uh, to, I hope I can manage to find the balance, even if it's a new circuit, even if maybe I need to push some things more, that I can still do the things that I enjoy. So I really hope I can sit here at the end of next year and uh, you know, feel like not only... I mean, if the tennis is going good, of course, it's a very good bonus, but also that I'm in a good place. It's the biggest indoor tournament in the world. A true sporting spectacle. The top eight singles players and doubles teams playing in front of 250,000 fans on site and watched and listened to by millions around the world. Oh! That is the shot of the tournament! 
Join ATP Tennis Radio for live coverage all week of the Nito ATP Finals from the 10th to the 17th of November for more unmissable action. This is a really cautious point. The backhand slice from Federer drifts inside the baseline. Forehand down the line from Zverev. Zverev steps on the backhand and goes down wow. the line for a winner. What a point from Sasha Zverev. The overhead smash from Nadal, defended by Monfils. Then Monfils goes cross-court with a backhand down the line. Absolutely superb from Rafael Nadal. Our attention now is on the O2 Arena in London. It's going to be a massive week of action as the finale to the season, the Nito ATP final. So many different storylines to come from this. The number one spot on the line. Will Rafael Nadal be ready and raring to go? He says he is, but we'll take a wait and see approach on that. We've got all sorts of different players who have had different 2019s. Daniel Medvedev, for a while there, couldn't lose a match. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't lose a match. He just kept going and going and going. Stefan Ositsipas makes the move from the next gen to playing at the O2. The defending champion, Sasha Zverev, he had to wait till the very last week of the season to guarantee his spot. Roger Federer is here. He's always going to be a contender. Matteo Berrettini. And that's just the singles. We've got the doubles as well. They're combined together, and that's what makes this such a fantastic event. It really is. Look forward to it every year. I'm very, very lucky that it's taken place just about in in my backyard. And uh, yeah, there, there are so many stories as you've uh, as you've said. You know, Federer coming in with with some some real form, uh, fresh. He missed Paris. Uh, he'll want to get another title here. He's, you know, how, how much longer will he keep going? Forever it seems. But uh, uh, you know, certainly competing with the best. Djokovic, as you said, on the hunt for for number one. He wants that sixth year end uh, to put him uh, above above Federer in that category with that with time with Sampras Nadal trying to stop him Nadal has the lead at the moment and of course how will these new guys fare Medvedev I think the you know the indoor the courts will suit him he he didn't do as well in his last couple of weeks so perhaps coming in a little fresher though it is a debut uh, Berrettini of course debut for him that's uh, you know that's that's a big question will he come fired up uh it, there's just yeah there's stories everywhere you look for group on Agassi, it's Nadal Medvedev Sitsipas and Zverev for group Bjorn Borg it's Djokovic Federer team and Berrettini the doubles group Max Murny is Cabell and Farah Kravitz and Mies Roger and Takao and Hebert and Mahou and for group Jonas Bjorkman, Kubot and Mello, Ram and Salisbury, Klaassen and Venus and Dodig and Plasic. So they'll be playing round robin uh, against one another. And then obviously the one with the greatest winning percentage or all the other permutations will get through. I'm going to put you on the spot because the, the, the Nito ATP finals have not started yet, Miles. But maybe give us some, some early thoughts and early predictions on the, the single side. Well, it's Nadal. We're sort of hoping uh, we're hoping he's fit. I think uh, you know, unfortunately, pulled out in in, in Paris, and uh, but hopefully the injury didn't linger too long and it's, and it's recovered. Um, but it's Djokovic and, and Federer in the same group, isn't it? What a what a yeah, battle amazing, that would be. isn't it? But I mean, you, you put me on the spot. I'm going to go with Djokovic. I think it's a safe bet always, and you know we know he likes that environment. We'll see if the surface is um, as, as we watch them practice. We'll see how the surface is because if it's a little quicker, boy, does that play into Federer's hands? Uh, and, and Nadal won't like that so much. If it's higher bouncing, that's uh, plays into Nadal's hands. So he Nadal won't mind it so much if it's quick and high bouncing because he wants his four into rear up off the surface and, and Djokovic is sort of going, well, 
whatever it is, let me know. He, he just doesn't want it too quick. That'll once Federer. But I think I think for Djokovic um, is a favourite. So how far will Nadal need to go to retain that number one ranking? Oh, it's all ahead of us in the doubles group. That group, Max Murnie. All the, the major winners from 2009 are all in the one group. So that's going to make it extra fun uh, along the way. But uh, the doubles, we know it is going to be really, really hard fought. And that's going to be the order of play along the way, the afternoon and evening sessions. One doubles, one singles all the way through until Friday. And then we hit the semifinals and then the finals will be on the Sunday. ATP Tennis Radio will be there every step of the way from the O2. We'll be on air from Sunday to Saturday today from 11.30 London time with the full preview before we get into the action and then on the final Sunday we'll be on air with this doubles final and the singles final from 3 o'clock London time. There's plenty to look forward to in the final week of the ATP season. That's it for this edition of the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Make sure you join us throughout the week at the O2 Arena for the NITO ATP Finals and join us for our next edition of the ATP Tennis Radio podcast where we will wrap up the final week of the season and all the memories that have come from 2019. We look forward to your company then. If you like this podcast, Please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review.